Several years ago, Gene Harpstreet was an electrician working as a contractor at a company that serviced industrial control systems. He found the gizmos and the gadgets and the electronics rather interesting, so he enrolled at Cincinnati State, earned an electromechanical engineering degree, and Harpstreet worked for a few manufacturers, then for an engineering firm, before striking out on his own with PA Technologies. His company delivers industrial automation for manufacturers. I'm Rob Braun, and this is Gene Harpstreet's take on how you make it. Presented by Heritage Bank, member FDIC. Gene, welcome. Are you, do you produce anything that we know about, would know? Are you allowed to tell us? Can I actually disclose it? Probably yeah. not. Okay. Um, but is it something we would recognize? You all probably use 100 products that we help manufacturers make. No kidding. That's fascinating. Yeah, every day. Yeah, the world's a big market, and um, every, everybody wants everything now, and the only way to get it to them quicker is to automate it because there's not enough people in the workforce to to produce the things that they want and produce them at the quality that they need with the amount of human intervention that we used to have. Yeah. I mean, from, from the outside looking in, it sounds like you've hit a home run. and But you're having a hard time standing back and looking like, yeah, I did that. Yeah. It's just like every day I, I wake up and I'm like, oh, I, I didn't do that yesterday or I sent this out two hours later than I was supposed to. So it's there's this constant internal clock running of I'm always behind. That's the way I always feel. And my business partners, they look at me sometimes and they think I'm nuts. They're like, just chill out. Everything's going to be fine. Um, but that that's the drive and the um, madness that I wanted. Yeah. Um, something to wake me up every morning and keep me up at night. Yeah. And I, most of the people we talk to who have started businesses are like that. They're not content. Yeah. It's just like you get to a certain point, we moved into a new building and we love it. And I'd swear, like, I I was so desperate to get my hands on it. Like, it was driving me nuts. And then we got our hands on it. We we moved in. It was all set up. And, like, two months later, I was bored with it. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm ready to build on the land next door. Um, So I'm like, I'm already, like, thinking four or five years down the road. And I shouldn't be. You know, I should be focused on, on what we're doing, you know, right now and in a year out. But yeah, it was just. Well, if, if you didn't have those dreams, you wouldn't be where you are. So somebody's got to be the dreamer. I guess that's my part. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, How do you talk other people into doing? I mean, you're really doing a lot of brain work. So you, you're not looking for guys who are lifting heavy barrels. You're looking for guys who are doing, making a living with their minds. How do you find that person, recruit them for your idea, which is brand new to you? and get them on board? I look for a lot of people that have a similar background to mine. Um, I don't, uh, when we put job postings out, I'm not focusing on where someone went to school or what their grades were. I'm looking at work ethic and how motivated they are because a lot of people told me no along the way for those reasons. And so I look for people that are hard workers. um, They want to learn and there's, plenty of smart people in our organization. If you're willing to learn, you can teach the person that's got a degree from MIT and a person that's got a degree from Cincinnati State the same same exact thing. Yeah. Very good point. I feel like there's always been kind of an unnecessary paper ceiling in our business with the amount of education that's required to do something that 
outsiders think it's overly complicated. I, I just don't think that it is anymore as automated as it is. Yeah. But you got to have that vision to see that. I'm not so sure that anybody else in this room is going to be able to see what you see. Yeah. It's a challenge to find those people. Uh, there's a huge skills gap um, in our market of folks that work in our business. They're in extremely high demand. Uh, they're paid very well. They have really good benefits. They get a lot of flexibility in their work schedule. So most of us aren't competing for business. We're, we all have plenty of business. We're, we're competing for people so we can actually execute the business. Yeah. That's an interesting problem to have. A lot of other businesses don't have that. No, they don't. And so hopefully, um, you know, some of the local colleges have started producing engineering degrees that are more focused in this market. You know, whereas when I went to school, they didn't have those. Um, you would get people that had electronic engineering degrees. You would get people that had double E's. You would get people that had electromechanical degrees. Um, I met people that had mathematics degrees and computer science degrees. And so they were all from all walks of life. A lot of them just got experience over time following the same route that I did. Yeah. Or they worked at a manufacturer and they had a particular cr- control system that they were got familiar with and then left that manufacturer and started doing business for a consulting firm or they even worked on their own. A lot of times the guys, they uh, they work for a manufacturer for so long, they, they get so familiar with their control systems, they go to retire and they kind of won't let them retire. They, <laughs> they ended up subcontracting a lot, a lot of people for, you know, hey, 16 hours a week or 24 hours a, a week. Just because they know that niche so well? Yeah, and it's like trying to find someone to get back in there that that knows some of those older software systems and the older hardware. Uh, It's really hard to come by. Our company's out there replacing control systems that are older than me. The people that know those systems, that list keeps getting shorter and shorter as, as they're retiring. Yeah. It's difficult for me to think about the qualities that you had to have in order to be successful. But maybe now that you've been doing it long enough, you can probably speak to that. You have to have what to be an entrepreneur? I'll tell you a short story, and then I'll get into it. But when I was getting ready to leave my previous firm, um, the individual that owned that firm was great to me, mentored me a lot. And when I told him I was going to leave, you know, he said, hey, let's go get lunch. We didn't talk about me sticking around or anything else. He just he said, I know you're going to do this anyways, Gene, but... I'm going to give you some lessons. He's like, be compassionate and be patient with people. And so I took that, I listened to him, and that's one thing that I've tried to do with our people is be compassionate and patient because, yes, we're at work, yes, we need results, but at the same time, people have things going on in their personal life, they have things going on um, outside of work um, that might be affecting their performance. And if we have some sort of issue at work, sometimes I step back and think, is it my fault? Is it something I did? Is, if it is something they did, okay, let's sleep on it overnight and then let's talk to that individual. And when we have to have those conversations, usually the first thing I ask someone is, hey, are you okay? How's everything at home? And then we talk about, you know, whatever that issue might be, you know, and then we can decide how to deal with it. Because a lot of times, yeah, someone might say, yeah, I, I had too much going on at home this week and I let this slip or, yeah, I forgot to check this and, um, those things happen. Yeah. I don't think I ever had a boss like that. <laughs> you know, when I was young, I had a couple of bosses that were just not great to work for. And they, they just like didn't do that with anyone. It was all results and checking in and checking out. And, and I get some structures good, but at the same time, 
you have to be respectful and compassionate of every person and what they have going on. Is that old school and new school? I don't know. My my dad was a military man, and he just kind of rode me all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> I think part of it is is I maybe learned some of that from my kids. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you know, my daughter she just kind of bats her eyes at me and um, was just like, "Oh, you want that? Okay, great." <laughs> it's something you know. Every time I'm frustrated before I talk to someone, I I go back to that conversation. I say, yeah. "Okay." Do these two things first. Um, and because of that, I think, I hope that, you know, the people that work for us respect me for it. We've had really good retention rates. I think we've replaced one person over five years that that willingly left. Um, you know, they had a better opportunity. Um, one person, you know, they had to move, um, unfortunately. So everybody needs a mentor. I feel that that's your job as a supervisor or a manager um, is to mentor people. And I want people around me that's smarter than me. Yeah, that's great, great advice. You know, I had some bosses when I was young and, you know, I, I knew I was smarter than them. I didn't tell them that. But, like, I think they knew that and they kind of treated me differently because of it. So I don't ever want our people to feel that way. Um, I always want them to feel like they can come and talk to myself or anyone in the business about whatever issue they're having, whether it's in work or outside of work. So when you're building this idea into uh, reality, you really need a couple of experts in, in areas where you may not be an expert. So you, you have to look for them. You have to shop for them too, don't you? Yeah, um, especially when we were trying to acquire property, commercial real estate, not anything that I know about from the moment you start with a realtor to the time that you close it is drastically different than, than purchasing a residential property. During that process, I leaned on heritage quite a bit, specifically Barry. Um, you know, he explained, you know, how the mortgages worked, how the SBA worked. And at the end of the day, you know, they, Hey, here's your options. We think this is your best one. And that's kind of, kind of how we went. We took their advice, um, along with our CPA and accounting firm, it was kind of a culture shock trying to get that property, the amount of effort it took and how different the, the financial products were. Yeah. The reality is that you have to have a business partner and more than one, really. You have to have your CPA, you have to have your banker, and you have to have your lawyer in order to make it work. Yeah. And sometimes people will think that those services you can do later and Realistically, you can't because uh, the market changes. You need them right now. It could be because you're not doing well. It could be because you're trying to ramp up for a big project or you, you, know, you made a big sale. And those things take time. They don't happen overnight. You just can't call someone and say, hey, you know, I need, <laughs> I need this and I need it in 10 days. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of these things take 30, 60 days. You know, when we did um, focus on acquiring the property. I was surprised at how quick Heritage was able to put it together. Yeah, I think we did it in less than 30 days. That's fast, yeah. Yeah. Gene, thanks for talking to us. I, I feel like we finally know what you do. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you you might be the first three people on the planet <laughs> other than the, the people that work for us or, or do business with us. But yeah, I appreciate um, taking the time to talk to me today. It's, it's a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. 
Peter Wykenot, senior lender from Heritage Bank, joins us now. So I'm a small business owner, and I want to come to Heritage Bank to try to get some money because I want to expand or whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. What do I have to show up with? Yeah. You know, the best thing is you can show up with CPA compilations or reviewed financial statements because those have notes in the back that will answer a lot of the questions we're going to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at a minimum, we'd like to see the last two, three years of business tax returns. Um, you know, one of the most tedious things that you have to do when you apply for a business loan is uh, obtain a personal financial statement. Um, we'll send you an Excel spreadsheet, and I highly recommend that you do it on your computer in Excel. And then next year, when you have to update the balances, it's a lot easier exercise. Um, but for starters, you know, a couple years of business and personal tax returns, fill out the personal financial statement. And, um, and then if you have, you know, CPA statements, uh, that's better. If not, you know, the typical QuickBooks uh, balance sheet and profit and loss statement. You know, a, uh, a profit and loss statement shows, you know, maybe a three months or 12 months at most that, you know, what's happened over those last 12 months. But a balance sheet, you know, that shows what's happened since the business started. Yeah. Um, so you know, if you've been in business for five or 10 years, you should have a pretty good net worth by then. Because um, hopefully you're leaving some money in the company every year. Hopefully the company's been profitable, uh, and it also shows how much leverage you have. I mean, if you you know if you have a lot of leverage, if your leverage is you know five to one or ten to one, which means you have five times as uh, five times as many liabilities as you have uh, in net worth, and that's that's a lot riskier loan. So so you know definitely uh, having good financial statements is is key to the whole process. 